Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 82 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on October 5th, 2021. How are you wonderful folks doing out there? Man, the weather is changing. Man, oh my gosh, it, it's fall. You know what that means. Man, that means Halloween, deer season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It's the absolute best time of year. That's right. It is. It, it, it is the best time of year. It's upon us. I'm super stoked. I, so much to be thankful for. It's awesome. I was actually, I was just, um, I was pulling my recycling bins back in. Uh, you know, you, you put the trash out some days, you put the recycling out there. You know, I was talking to one of my neighbors. I was like, dude, it's uh, it feels nice out here. He's like, yeah, man, it's going to be like 60 degrees in the morning, I think. You know, for 60 degrees Fahrenheit, for those of you who don't live in the United States. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, 60. Can you believe it? It's, it's beginning of October, early October, and and it's it's starting to feel like not summer. I'm excited about that. So that's cool. So yeah, I actually enjoyed it somewhat uh, this weekend. Um, I went shooting. I did. Um, I, I had a lot of uh, ranch work to do. Um, I, but I went and I, I zeroed my hunting rifle again because I, I got that uh, Swarovski scope. I'd posted a picture of it before, but I really hadn't been shooting with it. Um, so I got that scope and I mounted it on there and I you know, a while back, and I went, I zeroed it, and it was really great. I'll, I'll touch on on that on today's episode. I I also did some machine gun fun because you know reasons, of course, and I did some pistol stuff. Uh, all suppressed, all suppressed though. No, no unsuppressed fire. We'll talk about that on today's episode. You might be wondering, suppressed? What's this guy talking about? Well, friend, I'm glad you asked. We suppress the sound signature of small arms. Because they're loud. That's right. We, we use silencers to do that. Silencers suppress sound signature. How, how's that for some alliteration? <laughs> you know, one, one place to buy silencers, if you're so inclined, is from Silencer Shop. The J Situation Podcast is proudly sponsored by Silencer Shop, the most efficient and intelligent way to purchase silencers. It is. It is. You know, as a silencer consumer, uh, they're not only my dealer of choice, but my infrastructure of choice. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all about the efficiency with which your forms are run through the system. Run through the gamut of infringement as if, uh, as if it was designed that way <laughs> to infringe upon your rights. No, it is. Um, yeah, since 1934, the government loves to uh, prevent you from exercising your uh, God-given right. So uh, what Sansa Shop has done is uh, they made an easy-to-use system. Uh, takes out the guesswork for the ATF. You know, they can scan the code on the Form 4 uh, to enter the information automatically. Really, really increases the throughput and reduces the error rate, which, which is key to making this an efficient process. You know, as efficient as it can be for the government. So Sansa Shop is responsible for doing that. And that's one of the reasons they've grown. Okay, they got a, a network of uh, dealers nationwide where silencers are legal. You can use their kiosk. It encrypts all your biometrics, you know, all your, your photographs and your fingerprints. You know, tech cuts down on errors, simplifies your silencer purchasing process, money back guarantee, no transfer fees, no paperwork errors, just you and your silencer with no drama. Truly is silencer ownership simplified. It is. And secondly, and most importantly of all, this podcast is brought to you by Pew Science pushing the silencer industry forward 
one test at a time. Visit PewScience.com for the suppression rating, the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms. They are based on true human sound perception. Suppression rating is in section 5 of the Silencer Sound Standard. Walks you through gunshot noise. It's kind of like Wikipedia, but it's better because it's about guns and silencers always entertaining. There are seven parts. They're all on PewScience.com for you to read. If you haven't seen it, that's fine. Totally fine. It's, I know it's a lot. Uh, you can skip directly to Section 5. Uh, that's where the suppression rating is. It lets you know how silencers stack up in comparison to one another with regard to the sound at the muzzle and at the shooter's ear. And there's a hearing safe dose limit for the particular platforms on which the silencers are tested. That's right. Directly tied to human perception. If it's higher, it sounds better. If it's lower, it sounds louder. That's all there is to it. You're not going to find this information anywhere else in the world, I promise. Uh, the sixth section of the standard, all the reviews. Okay, they're really detailed. Um, you can go check them out at PewScience.com. And you know what? If, if they're too detailed for you, say, Jay, relax. You're, you're a little too autistic. And frankly, it's concerning. Uh, I understand. Believe me. I want to hold that against you. But you can go to Section 7 of the standard. There's just a table. It's more friendly for you. You, you peruse. You sort. You look at uh, uh, ear ratings, muzzle rating, composite rating, caliber, weapon platform, silencer, Maybe manufacture. You say, yeah, you sort to your heart's content. You finally find something you want to see. You say, oh, well, let me know a little bit more about that silencer performance. Then there's a link in, in every uh, line of the table there for you. Go back to the review and, and maybe you dig in and you see something else you like. You stay on it. Website's free. Just hang out, peruse, show your friends. If you're at school, show your professor. You know, maybe, hey, Maybe you're at school. Maybe you go to university. Uh, you're in your physics class. You say, hey, maybe we should talk about silencers today. Why don't we pull up HughScience.com? You put it. You go up there to the podium. You know, maybe uh, maybe uh, you know, you're an engineering student in college. Maybe uh, maybe you don't go to a lot of parties. You know, maybe you want to meet some women. You Maybe there's a girl in your class. You say, hey, look how much I know about silencers. You say, oh, my gosh, this guy knows about silencers. He's going to protect me. Oh my gosh! This guy is what is, is this guy a Navy SEAL? He he might be. <laughs> As always, <laughs> if you're a manufacturer and you would like to, <laughs> I, I made myself laugh. Oh my god! Could you imagine <laughs> trying to pick up chicks? You could, frankly. I mean. Chicks, chicks dig nerds. Um, how do you think I have? No, no, it's fine. As always, if you are a manufacturer and you would like to use Pew Science uh, for private testing and consulting services, there is a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry. There is, it is a legitimate business. I am running a consulting business here, despite my jokes. Um, it is uh, any testing uh, we do for you, any contact information, anything. It's it's held in strict confidence. Okay. Uh, Unless you want to release that data to the world after we're finished with your project, um, you know that's up to you. Um, Pew Science can certainly help you do that. We've done that many times, but I want to let you guys know, for you folks listening, we've also not done that many times through manufacturer request, and you and you you won't even. No one is even going to know we tested your stuff. Okay, that's just that's the nature of of this. This is a this client confidential stuff. Nothing leaves the Pew Science vault. 
um, without being cleared by the manufacturer. Okay, nothing nothing that's contracted testing becomes public unless the manufacturer uh, chooses to release that data. They own that data. Okay, true, but you know, go check that. You can see some of those things on the website so far, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that you know I just test with internal Pew Science funding. Uh, that's frankly. Frankly, it's owned by Pew Science, and it, you know it's on the internet, and it's it. I own it, so you can view that. And no one has any control over that, so that's how that works. And there's a there's a frequently asked questions on the website there if you want to you know, go wild and uh, satisfy your curiosity. You know, speaking of speaking of contracted efforts, you know Pew Science, while it is a consultancy, there's a lot of goings on and things it gives to the community for free, and it is run with member support grassroots and you can support this podcast you can support pew science you can support all the testing that is done by joining with a membership at pewscience.com you can um it, it's it, it it's a it's a low monthly cost you can cancel anytime it really helps out if you if you join folks i really do appreciate it, it it's great and i understand you know hey not everyone can contribute i understand that and uh you say, you know, that's a little too rich for my blood. I say, that's fine. I'm not going to force you. But if you could, if you can't join, maybe you spread the word. Maybe you uh, give the podcast a good rating. Maybe you share it. Maybe you, you you go on the, you subscribe to the podcast. You subscribe to the, you know, you turn on the notifications for the social media posts there. You, you interact with folks. You let them know about Pew Science. You, you spread the word of suppressed small arms because at the end of the day we are trying to normalize it for everybody okay that is the goal <sighs> frankly okay i have four topics for you today i think this is gonna be good yeah topic one um you know last year when i hunted i used a small hunting silencer on my rifle i did uh this year i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, gonna try to use a, a big one on my fix, my 308, you know, I, I, I zeroed my Swarovski, um, it's a spooky, oh man, this was a spooky experience, we'll talk about that, uh, topic two, another incremental cam lock update for you, I'll give you some more shooting experience about that, uh, I, I use the CGS Mod 9 and the Rugged Obsidian 9, uh, both in their long and short configurations, I'll talk to you about that, I'm zoning in on some performance factors for this mount system, we'll talk about that today, topic two, topic three, new sound signature review this week, this week, <laughs> yeah, you bet your exhilarating yard pop there is, you betcha there is the, this week, some data, some fresh data coming at you, we're gonna get crazy, are, are we gonna get crazy, maybe, you might get crazy. Topic four, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining at PewScience.com with a membership. Thank you for supporting the effort so enthusiastically. Thank you to all of you. I really do appreciate it. Gun shops, consumers, manufacturers, firearm enthusiasts across the globe. You folks, uh, you share the info, and the community's great, frankly. it's uh, I love it. And um, it's helping. So thank you. Okay. All right. We're going to move into topic one. At time of eleven minutes and twenty six seconds. Oh, that was that's got to be. I was long winded today. Well, you know, it's Tuesday, and uh, I had a really productive day today. There's nothing like a productive Tuesday. You know what that shows? That shows that you got your Mondays out of the way, and you killed it, and you started. You you got good momentum to the week. That's always one of my 
KPIs for the week, one of my key performance indicators for the week is how does my Tuesday go? Because you can't judge Monday. There's too much. It's just like first round pop in a silencer. You can't really judge a Monday um, for, for the complete characterization of the silencer. I mean, you, you use the Monday as an indicator but you for certain things. But when you look at overall things, the Tuesday is what sets the stage, I think. And that's what a great analogy. Any <laughs> so topic one, I, small hunting silencer last year. Yeah, I used the Hyperion K. I'm, I'm gonna try a big one this year. I'm gonna tell you why because it was. I just you, you'll see why. Okay, so this was this was utterly ridiculous. It was okay. So there I was after a long day of ranch work. I'm getting some things ready to. To ambush dangerous game. They're coming right for us. <laughs> no, have you ever have you ever seen that South Park episode? <laughs> no. They're coming right for us. No, um uh, I'm I'm getting hunting areas ready in remote locations uh to murder whitetail deer. Okay, it's super fun. It's what I do. It's, I love it. Um we we actually do kill a uh, we, we kill quite a lot of whitetail every year where I hunt. And we have to take care of some infrastructure to make that worthwhile. It's part part of working a ranch and and doing that sort of thing. And it's one of the things I do in my free time. I don't have a lot of free time um, because I am a. For those of you who don't know, I am a I'm a practicing uh, engineer, analyst, re- and, and researcher. Um, I, I also uh, am the owner and technical director of Pew Science, but. I'm also an avid outdoorsman, and I enjoy murdering white-tailed deer in a coordinated fashion, calculated. It's premeditated murder. So after a long day of doing that, um, I went ahead and I, I put some steel out, and I drove my truck about 50 yards back and uh, inflated my trusty REI sleeping pad, and I put it in the back of my truck, and I laid down behind my fixed rifle. It's a it's a 308. It's a Q fix. Um, I, I built that at, at Q there uh, with those engineers, good guys. Um, it's a 308, 16 inch barrel. The barrel is tapered. It's a 5/24 threading, but then it has that 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 what is that 25 degree 25 degree taper there. So of course I use I use a direct thread silencer on it. It's it's literally made for that. It's literally made for a direct thread silencer, right? So last year. I did hunt whitetail with a gun. We, my fiance and I, we murdered. We successfully murdered three whitetail deer last year with a gun. We used the Hyperion K from CGS. It's a very small and light uh, silencer. We used that tiny, perfect for hunting. Really is. Uh, but you know, this year, I I I realized I had never shot the full size Hyperion on. My uh, on the on a 16 inch 308. I never shot that on that gun. I had just shot it on the 20 inch 308. You know the test host there. So I thought to myself, well, I know I know how the Hyperion K and the Hyperion work. I mean, I've studied them in depth more than what you've seen. I've studied, and um, they do really weird stuff when the pressure gets higher. They are very um well 
They they vent gas extremely fast to the outer annulus. These these two particular silencers, and um, the, the this results in the Hyperion K having pretty low back pressure for its sound. Um, and uh, you've seen that I've I've have I have articles on that on the website if on PSigns.com. If you want to look at some research supplements, I, I that's one of the silencers that ha, that stands out for that. Um, the full size Hyperion, however. Uh, it's longer, and it um, it still vents very quickly to that annulus in the outside, but the, but then it traps more gas just because of the way the rest of the stack is and configured, and the net effect of that is actually very strange. It's a very strange phenomenon, and when you ramp up the pressure, it seems to get more efficient. It seems to get more efficient, Okay. And this happens with both of those silencers. With both of those silencers. And so we we lose four inches of barrel, you know, going from that is going from a 20 inch 308 to a 16 inch, right? Okay. Our muzzle pressure goes up. And there's a bonus with the big Hyperion. See, in addition to being quieter than the Hyperion K, it has higher back pressure a lot higher back pressure than the hyperion k so that's going to reduce recoil more than the hyperion k right you know we spoke about this we spoke about why that is in a previous episode um the basic the basic recoil kinematics of silencer use we we spoke about that you know you have recoil from two sources right we talked about that you have the momentum transfer of the bullet which you can't get rid of you're firing a bullet Okay, you're, that momentum that's that's leaving, it, it, what, you think it's just going to go and no problem? No, you have the momentum transferred into you. It, it's, it's that, it's, you know, Newton has those laws, they, they just can't get away, you can't, you can't get away from them. <laughs> Conservation of momentum is real. So yeah, you have the momentum transfer of the bullet, so that's one thing, but, but, you also have the thrust of the muzzle jet after the bullet leaves, right, remember? Remember that, yeah. So, um, so you th- that that's different, right? That you can do something with. Now, the Hyperion and silencers with higher back pressure in general, and this is going to be this is going to be true for something like the Nomad L, um, a, a Q Full Nelson, you know, things uh, a, a Thunder Beast Ultra Nine, you know, long, big gas traps, okay. If you got a long, big gas trap, forget about what the silencer is called. If you got a long, big gas trap, you're going to, what are you going to trap? Well, trapping gas, in doing that, you're also going to trap jet thrust, aren't you? And what is jet thrust? Well, um, you, you have gas momentum coming out of the, the muzzle after the bullet leaves. Because what was, what was pushing the bullet? Gas. What happens when the bullet leaves? Well, there's still stuff behind it coming out. Okay? It's jet thrust, moment, gas momentum, gas flow. It's a jet flow. It's jet momentum. I'm using all these words so you know, maybe if you've heard it a different way, maybe you can you find this relatable. Okay? You can you can Google this. This is this is all this is just this is just physics. It's not I was gonna say it's not rocket science, but it is. <laughs> Kinda of is rocket science. It's fine. It's not that hard. Um so anyway, 
not to get too down in the weeds, big, long gas trap silencers like the Hyperion are going to slow that that jet momentum considerably to atmosphere. So the majority of the thrust momentum after uncorking, that latent burning, that that after burning, it's going to impinge upon it's going to impinge upon the silencer itself, which is attached to the gun. So you don't get as much recoil impulse. Okay, you're attached to the gun. It's like you're you're pushing on yourself. You push on yourself from yourself. That that's good. <laughs> that's good. You reduce the thrust momentum. Okay. Um, so so you, that's the basics of jet thrust recoil reduction with the silencer. The silencer one hundred one, um, or maybe a silencer one hundred two. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a it's a junior course, junior uh, from a, uh, lower level silencer course. Uh, you you learn about that in the in your beginnings of silencer use. So that's how silencers reduce recoil. Well, that's how normal silencers reduce recoil um, in, 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 in that they reduce recoil thrust. Now, if you, you, you can also direct, you can redirect that jet thrust with a muzzle brake without a silencer, right? And you can, of course, combine a silencer with muzzle brake thrust redirection by putting holes into the end of the silencer that are not the the borehole, like, I don't know, adding an e-brake to the end of a dead air silencer or an anchor brake to the end of a silencer coast silencer or putting holes in the in in the um circumferentially like the the KG made rifle silencers, like R30, for example, the R556, for example. These are those are KG made not KG made uh, dead air silencers, but KGM they make their own silencers and they have those features. So you know there are various and and I, I guess there's others that have done this over the years. So there's various ways to to reduce recoil reduction or reduce recoil reduction, reduce recoil with silencers. But even if it doesn't have those extra features, the very act of slowing jet momentum to atmosphere will reduce thrust momentum imparted to the gun uh the net system and reduce recoil so saying all that let me get a drink of water that's crazy I, hold on i spent way too long explaining that um <clears throat> so again so what i was so back to what i was talking about the hyperion i was thinking to myself knowing all this i was like "Ooh, man it's gonna feel cool 16 inch you know i was like oh man i i'm so excited i want to see how it feels so I was thinking, yeah, the big Hyperion, tapered threads, boom. I'm good to go. This is going to be wild. I'm thinking it's perfect. I did the Hyperion K. We murdered three glorious deer. And, and now uh, let me try its big brother on this gun. And it's tapered. I don't have to worry about it. Oh, just put it on. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. I love that taper, I tell you what. The full Nelson, the half Nelson, the Hyperion, and the Hyperion K. Direct thread onto the fix. You can do it, fam. It's just, it's so great not to have a stupid extra piece. It's just cool. Anyway, okay, so I also got an Atlas bipod. Pretty stoked about it. Um, I I didn't use feel like using my grip pod on the fix. <laughs> not because I can't, because I can do anything. But I I, I could have... 
because I, what I could have done is I could have put a Picatinny rail adapter on the QCERT rail there on the fix there but but i didn't want to take the grip pod off of my 11 and a half <laughs> my my uh machine gun i like the grip pod um i didn't want to take that off so so i put the atlas bipod on the fix like a reasonable person and i you know i used a q cert mount that i bought from q a uh, shout out to um gentleman who designed that he no longer works at q but he informed me that he designed that mount when he was there he's a very nice person and uh, I believe he's making knives now. So he's a nice person. Designing knives, I think. Shout out, sir. Um, so that little QCERT adapter there, I bought that from Q. It was expensive. And then, um, so the Atlas bipod mounts to the QCERT mount thing directly there. And then that bolts to the rail of the fix with one fastener. It's one fastener. And, you know, the receiving fasteners in the QCERT rail, the female... I guess they would be the, the, the receiving nuts they're, uh, in the rail there. Um, they're very strong. And that, 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 that connection capacity, I guess the, the thread engagement into that piece and the pullout strength is very strong. And then, then what else do you have to worry about? What's your other limit state? Well, you would have the shear of the aluminum, right, if you're pulling it out. If you, like, I guess if you just wanted to follow the load path. Like, you know, like any structural engineer would do, you would follow the load path, boom, 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 and see what the weak point is. So it's a very strong mount. Um, they can, you can actually, you can, a little known fact, you can actually remove those fasteners out of the rail and replace them if one goes bad. It is really nice. Um, I think, and, you know, there are actually McMaster, like, I don't know if you, you've, I'm getting down in the weeds now, but I don't know if you, any of you guys have bought little parts from McMaster car. Uh, most of us who deal with tools and, and building things, you, you're familiar with that vendor. It's a very fast shipping vendor. Anyway, it's a standard. There's McMaster car part number somewhere for those little, um, those little nuts there in the, in the, in the QCERT handguard. I spoke with Nick, you know, at Q about it, engineer, um, when I built the rifle. We were talking about it. I, I asked all these questions. I was like, okay, well, cool, man. Well, where'd you get this? And uh, what's the strength of this? And how did you design this? And what was the moment of inertia of this? And how, what is the tensile strength of this? And we talked about those things. And and he told me how, why he did it and how we did it and how easy it was. And I was like, that's awesome, dude. So yeah, I used that to mount the Atlas bipod onto the thing. That, this is my, and the reason I'm kind of, talking about this i don't think i've ever talked about qcert on the podcast and i i i don't think because this is the first time i've actually used the qcert mount system on the uh on the the rail of the q gun and i i found it to be incredibly easy to use um like when you use mlock you're like this is stupid <laughs> mlock is like i know it's an open standard and everything but it's to me it's it's clunky I don't like M-Lock at all. I like Picatinny Rail and Q-Cert. I, I'm skipping M-Lock. Like, I, I, I have no choice but to use M-Lock on some of my weapons, but, like, I don't I don't like it. I just, I don't, I, I think it can be improved. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, right. So the Atlas Bipod. I'm fancy now. Yeah, I think, you know, I think all the fancy rifle folks use those things. I do. And I, I think the rifle needs it. It's nice to be able to lay down. You shoot an adjustable bipod like that. The Both the legs, they, they telescope out. You you pull the little dealy there, and it 
and you can make the legs the independently go different lengths plus um you can make them angled to the uh, like forward and aft angled at different angles and um even uh the the it twists and does the uh, it's like a pan and tilt or pitch and yaw or whatever I, you can you can roll roll your roll the pitch of the mat like you know what I mean to really level yourself if there's uneven ground. It's just it's a really cool bipod. The Atlas there, I bought that. It's nice. Anyway, so I lay down in the truck bed. Only and keep in mind I'm only fifty yards away from this steel, and I'm thinking to myself, it's half inch steel plate. I'm like, okay, I just I need to get on this steel. I'll, I'll I'll adjust the Swarovski scope. Uh, th- then I'll I'll back up to a hundred yards and I'll do my fine adjustments. You know what I mean? Just in case, I'm 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 being conservative. I'm going to conserve ammo. I'm going to be I'm do the right thing. Okay. I don't want to go out to a hundred yards first and the scope be so far off that I don't know where I'm hitting because I didn't get a chance to laser sight it in. I usually what I'll do is I'll I'll bore sight. I'll use a laser bore sight just to dial the scope so I know I'm in the general vicinity, and that'll be good enough for me to be on paper at 100 yards. And then in the field, I'll when I shoot at 100, I'll I'll dial correctly, and then I'm like, okay, I'm zeroed. But like this time, I didn't do that, or I or rather, I couldn't remember. I actually couldn't remember anything. I knew I even mounted the scope. <laughs> I just couldn't remember if I had done it. I was like, did I boresite this? I couldn't remember. So I get my little Frank Proctor beanbag, little tiny beanbag thing there. It's it's a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with these beanbags, but you use them to put, It's a, mine's really light because I carry it with me when I am when I have the rifle just in a bag just to hunt with and stuff. Sometimes I'll, I'll like lay down prone and want to shoot and I'll use that under the, um, like under the stock or something, or I'll throw it in the front if I'm somewhere and I'll rest it on the rock. I'll, you can use a beanbag for different stuff. You put it under the rifle. So I put it under the stock there. We've got my bipod deployed. I lay down. I relax. I'm looking through the scope, the, the Swarovski. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then I, sure enough, the eye relief wasn't right. I couldn't get, I was like, oh my God, my eye box is all wrong. Scope is too far back. I was like, oh. Why didn't I why didn't I lay in this proper position before? Oh, I, I must have just held it up and I wasn't thinking. I had my head canted. I, I wasn't in a real shooting position when I mounted the scope. What a what a pain in the butt. What am I gonna do? I thought I checked this. And then I was like, oh, this is no problem. The the Swarovski's and the scalar works mount on the rifle. And you know, I I posted a photo of this before. There, there used to be a sight mark scope in the in this mount on the gun last year. That's what I killed the deer with. I murdered those deer with a sight mark scope on the fix with the Hyperion K. Okay. Um. So yeah, and and the so the thing I like about the Scalar Works mount, other than its unitized nature, is the way it cl- clamps to the Picatinny the, to the 1913 rail. It's extremely easy to remove and install. Okay, now the scope ring clamps are side clamping and stupid, but you, you can listen to a previous episode to hear me talking about that. It's it's ridiculous. I don't like the mount. I don't recommend you buy this mount um, unless you just have money to burn. 
Um, but the way it mounts to the rail is awesome, dude. Like I, and this is like literally what I did. I, I was still laying down in the truck bed. I canted, I canted the rifle to the side. I unscrewed the mount screws by hand because they're thumb screws, right? I removed the mounted scope. I shifted it forward on the gun. I tightened the screws again by hand, alternating. Looked through the scope again. Eye relief was fine. Good to go. This is just all laying down in the truck bed in like less than a minute. I, I made that adjustment. Like that's crazy, being able to do that. Like seriously, like still laying down, prone. So that was easy. I mean, that you can't get, you actually can't get any easier than that. And that's crazy. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, really concentrate here, Jay. You've got to get on this steel or you're going to have a bad time chasing your hits. Focus. Drop the mag. Cock the bolt. Clean dry fire. Deep breath. Let it out. Deep breath. Let it out. Deep breath, calm, squeeze, click. Again. Okay, again and again. I'm dry firing. I'm 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 getting zen. I'm controlling my heart rate. I'm I'm everything's quiet. I'm like I'm totally I'm I'm getting in the zone. I'm ready to shoot. Insert the mag, I chamber around, I get comfy, I squeeze, I squeeze my little bag. I aim. Safety's off. Squeeze, click, bang. Ding. Steel impact. Gun is so light. So light. <laughs> so it finally comes back to the target. Like dead center hit. Dead center hit. I'm like, what? I look through the scope on 16 power. It's a 2 to 16. Swarovski. Dead center. I'm like, what? Can't be. Can't be. I check the turrets. I removed the caps. I, elevation and windage are still on zero, zero centers. Haven't adjusted this scope. I have not, not that I can remember. I, I don't think I zeroed the scope before. I'm like, oh, whoa. I mean, this is, this is dead center. I'm like, this can't be. It can't be. I, 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 I never shot the gun with this scope. Okay. So I'm not sure what's going on. Did I get lucky? So let's go to let's go to 100 yards and see. So that's what I did. Okay, get out of the truck bed, drive the truck to 100 yards. I verify it with a with a with a with a rangefinder with my with my thermal scope that has a rangefinder. I'm like, okay, I get on my thermal scope. I you know I can see the the steel target glowing white because I have white hot in my pulsar, my my LRF. I'm I'm I I laser range finding. Uh, in my thermal, my I have a detached from a rifle. I have a couple of these scopes. I'm, I, I have a scan mode, and I'm like, okay, this 100 yards, perfect. Okay, get back in the back of the truck, get situated. I put some more rounds in the mag because I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot some groups. Squeeze, click, bang, <laughs> ding, steel impact, dead center. Okay, let, let me aim above it and shoot a different group. Squeeze, click. Bang, Psh, ding, steel impact. Psh, ding, steel impact. I shift below the first group. Ding, ding, dead on, dead on. 
I'm shooting groups with this thing above my first impact, below my first impact. I'm shooting groups. The 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 round the the, the splatter on the from the lead is touching each other 100 yards. Ladies and gentlemen, PewScience family, members, listeners, dealers, consumers, men, women, daughters, sons, dogs, cats. I experienced <laughs> a zero in one, dude. It's the fabled put your scope on your rifle and shoot it and it's done situation. Zero in one situation. I didn't adjust the scope. Aliens. It's aliens, right? No, think about this. No, and I wanted to talk to you about this podcast because this is not like I've seen this happen before. This dude once that I he I say this dude, this this man that I respect a lot, who's much 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 older than me, one of the people who taught me how to deer hunt, what to how to, how to hunt white-tailed deer. This happened to him once with a new rifle. Okay, um, it's never happened to me before. And this guy, he's hunted in Africa. He's hunted everywhere. He's been shooting rifles since I wasn't even a glimmer in my father's eye. This this guy, and this happened to him. Never happened to me, but it happened to me. So I like I want to talk to tell you about it. I want to talk about some of the things that had to had to be right for this to happen. Okay, so number one. I had to shoot okay. Okay, I'm not the best. I am not the best shot, but I did my job Saturday. I promise you that. I took my time, and I did my job, so that's one. Two, the rail had to be square on the gun, obviously. We're stacking errors, right? We're stacking errors at this point. The rail had to be square. I mean, I built this thing at Q myself. I mean, it's pretty straight. I mean, I don't know how straight it is, but it's pretty straight. Apparently, the, you know, the, the barrel... The barrel and the receiver, and remember, it's this is a this is not a chassis. Okay, this is not a chassis. This is a it's a unitized receiver, and the barrel goes into it with a barrel nut, which is not an AR barrel nut. It's a little different, and the rail is bolted to the top of the unitized receiver and handguard. Okay, and it's it's very stiff, and the the axes the different axes of stiffness are such that um, the rail is pretty straight, and does is not going to really have a lot of deflection relative to the receiver. And that means it, it for all intents and purposes should like is like behaves as one piece. Um, we would call that composite. It behaves as a composite, okay, uh, structurally, in stiffness, and and resistance too, okay, in strength. Uh, some of you, I'm using words that some of you probably don't use the the words like I use because I'm 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 a structural dynamicist, so I use these words professionally, and you maybe don't use them, but that's fine. What I'm trying to tell you is, one of the things that had to be right was that. It had to be built right. Um, the silencer had to be aligned right. And it's tapered. And it's DMLS, so it's not, you know, so this is like made by a machine. Um, it's not subtractive, right? It's additive manufacturing, so it's it's aligned. 
And oh, and the silencer also it couldn't it couldn't cross jet right. It couldn't cross jet and push. It couldn't push on the projectile as the as the bullet was going through it. That wouldn't that wouldn't work. Had have worked. Would it? Would it have worked? That wouldn't have worked. So that had to be on. And then finally, the vibrational mode of the barrel. It it had to be such that the time that at the time the bullet left the system, the barrel was in a position that was perfect for the bullet arc to reach the target at the point of aim. And that's the dumb chance of this whole thing. Okay, it makes no sense for this to happen. <clears throat> like wind, like windage being on. Okay, one second. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> like w w windage being on okay all this stuff i was talking about with alignment okay the windage being on that's spooky for sure dude like that's spooky but but the vertical like the the elevation to be on too that's like a wild that's a wild coincidence because you the bullets vi i mean the bullet the the barrel's vibrating okay the the barrel's vibrating so that's it may it it, it just makes no sense for that to happen it's dumb chance so you know because last year i had the hyperion k on the rifle and the sight mark in the same mount or no 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 it wasn't in the same mount it was in it was in the same type of mount it was in a scalar works leap mount like this one but i don't think it was the same exact mount it's not. It's not the same exact mount. But anyway, um, I and I remember I did have to dial the sight mark a little when I zeroed. But not much. Just a little bit. I didn't have to dial much. I remember 100 yards when I first shot it. So, I don't know. We just may have hit a perfect harmonic with the Hyperion or something. It's a light silencer. I mean, the Hyperion K is lighter. So, yeah. The, the, I don't know. Maybe the weight. I guess the lumped mass at the end. You know how, that's, how that works, right? You have a You have a natural frequency of vibration. Um, and so, like, when you have recoil, uh, this is literally a cantilever beam for uh, you structural engineers you know, and you structural dy dynamicists listening to this. You have a you have a cantilever beam with a lump mass at the end. Um, you're you're going to excite it with a jet thrust, so that's going to be your forcing function, and then it's going to go into free vibration. When it goes into free vibration, your um, your natural frequency, so the square root of the stiffness over the mass, is going to dictate the um, the period at which, you know, uh, period is the universal frequency, uh, the period at which it vibrates. And when that bullet leaves, um, you know, well, the bullet already left because you're already in free by free by free vibration. But when that bullet left, that that bullet was that 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 barrel was was vibrating and it was going up and down, up and down when it goes up or down. That moment in time is your initial position for your projectile. And once your projectile is in free flight, all it has is a is a uh, is a velocity vector and then it's subject to gravity and hopefully it can hit the target before gravity pulls it down to the ground that's how bullets work so it's how ballistic works like you know how physics works so so yeah just so happens everything worked out fine that's crazy that's aliens so about the mass on the end that's another thing hyperion's pretty long right it's a long silencer for sure, dude. But the like the Nomad L, the full Nelson, the Ultra Nine, they're all those are all long silencers. They're all full size, right? The Hyperion is light, dude. 
it is light and and it's weird because when you pick it up you don't expect it to be that light you're like well that's weird it doesn't feel real um so you know it's long so it's kind of obtrusive for use in a blind like a deer blind in South Texas, um, where I hunt, um, sometimes I don't hunt from a blind, but many times I, I am hunting from a blind. Um, so it's it's a little bit cumbersome with that. But the fixed rifle that I'm using it on, well, it's only a 16-inch barrel, so I'm already four inches shy of like a typical 308 hunting rifle, and my stock folds. So that's huge. You know what I mean, Jellybean? So that's cool. And so, and frankly, like this thing is spooky now. Like, I feel like after that experience, I feel like it's an omen now. Like, how can I not hunt with this silencer now? Right? So, yeah. So, I, I planned on doing that, like, as a dual experiment. Where I was like, well, I need a sight and a scope. And also, like, I haven't shot the Hyperion on the fix. I've only shot the, the Hyperion K, 16-inch barrel. Let's see how it sounds. I'm leaving it on. And I'm, I'm probably going to leave it on through whitetail season into early 2022 at least. Um, and when I say leave it on, actually, in my gun case that I use for this, I have a I have an, an old Eagle Industries black MP5 case. It's a soft it's a soft um, Cordura case. Actually, I'll take I'll unscrew the silencer. I put it in, in one of the MP5 mag pockets, and it does fit in there. Um, it barely closes with a little Velcro, but it does fit into the pouch. And then I fold the fixed stock and I put the rifle in there, and that's what the case I use. I use that case a lot for that and my my machine gun it's eagle industries eagle industries has been out for such a long time they they make one wonderful cases i actually you know what i did i just bought an eagle industries fanny pack it'll be here it'll be here this week i'll have to show you it's 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 really nice i hope i, I they make good quality um bags always have you know they made the old hk bags and i i wish i wish fn would have them make the new their new pistol bags because the Pistol bag I got with my 509 Compact Tactical is terrible. It's made in China. What was I saying? Oh, right. I'm going to leave the Hyper- I'm going to use the Hyperion with a fix. Yeah. So I want another thing about this this shooting, I, and I, I'm going a little detailed about this gun because I want I, I haven't talked about the fix in a while. I want to talk about it. Um, I was shooting surplus Lake City uh, Federal uh, XM80. Okay, 149 grain ball rounds. It's actually it's Pew Science test ammo. It's very consistent ammo. Um, when I first tried it in the fix, when I got the fix last year, or whenever I built it, two years ago, last year, I can't remember, probably last year, I had some light primer strikes, and it, I, it wouldn't fire the, the rounds on the first shot there, and uh, the first trigger pull. It, was discons- it never happened to me in bulk gun before. I was like, what in the world? I spoke with the Q engineer and said, about the about the the primer compound detonation and the design of the the striker and the gun there in the fix and they let me know that some of the harder primers will not uh, get initiation with the fix they won't and that sucked um and i, I had forgotten about that because you know i went during the deer season i used the federal uh 308 150 grain power shock soft point like that's like straight up walmart ammo dude like that's not even sophisticated but i've killed every deer on my wall with that ammo that's like straight up fud stuff like <laughs> but i have a huge box of it so like i bought a bunch of it i've always used it it works it kills the white tail at the distances i use that's why i hunt 
go with what works. It's always act. It's like in my Savage, the test host that for Pew Science that I use for like 10 years to hunt with, I could shoot lights out with that ammo. So accurate. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to change ammo. It's accurate and it kills things. Like, why would I change? And it's cheap. So it was always cheap. So yeah, so I have a bunch of it. So anyway, I, I never know that never had a problem with the primer getting initiated with a fix. And the only, you know, the only other silencers I'd shot with, um, shot with the, on the fix were the Hyperion K and the Helios QDTI last year. Remember, I don't know if you remember, I, I talked about that on the previous episode of the podcast. So I imagine either the striker had to break in a little bit to be able to achieve proper impact momentum. Um, because the area, the impact area, if, if, if you guys know how primers work, and you probably don't, that's okay. But it's a function of, it's a couple of th- different things that initiate a primer. Um, a couple of different parameters have to have to be, have to happen. Anyway, so we're not changing the area. So it, it's got, it might be, it might be the momentum transfer. So maybe the striker had to break in. Maybe the, I'm not sure. Because I shot a bunch of that XM80 in the fix this weekend and it was fine dude and it makes me happy because i want to shoot cheap ammo in this gun because i i'm kind of like and now it's decked out i got a swarovski scope and an atlas bipod you know what i mean so oh that oh yeah and that and 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 then putting a super quiet silencer that hyperion dude when i was shooting that and it was like ding like it's like it's a really weird it's a it's it doesn't sound like other 308 silencers. It just doesn't. It's weird. So anyway, that scope though, bro. That Swarovski. So I, I got the two to sixteen. They make a two. I think they make a two and a half to eighteen. I got the two to sixteen guys. The Z8i, bro. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The glass. It is so spooky clear. It really is. Like, it's not even... And I'm super psyched to use it for whitetail at dawn and dusk. That's really where hunting scopes like this shine. Um, It gives you that few extra minutes of good shooting light on either end of the day. And and you know that deer... um, Excuse me. What's that word? Crispiculant? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it means that the those type of animals they they feed at dawn and dusk, like that's when they're most active for feeding. That's just that's how. I mean, they eat at all times during the day, and they also chew chew their cud because they're ruminant animals. But anyway, so the dawn and the dusk is when you know you really want to be able to see the deer if you if you can take a shot, and you do not hunt deer at night. They're a game animal, so that's illegal. You don't you don't shoot them at night. That's it's not, not a legal thing to do, and we don't we don't do that, um, and so uh, that's not that's not okay. Um, so having a scope is important, a, a daylight scope like that. And so in short, I'm stoked, dude. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna post a photo of this rifle for you with this episode. It is nice, dude. It's awesome. Like, I think, like I'm, <laughs> I don't even want to think how much money's in it. But it's it's ridiculous. And it's cool. It's like the ultimate whitetail setup, really. When you think about it. It's like the ultimate hunting gun. Honey, honey bolt action, I think. 
It's super light and quiet and crazy and like accurate and deadly, dude. 308, come on, man. It's 308 out of 16-inch barrel. I know a lot of people say you only need like a 12-inch barrel for 308. No, man. I mean, that's probably true for like whitetail, but with 16-inch 308, I, I think with 20-inch 308, you can probably kill most things in North America. I think with at, at a decent range. With 16-inch 308, you're still killing most stuff. Maybe you're not taking a shot at elk at 400 yards. Maybe you maybe at 400 yards for elk, maybe you use 300 wind mag. But 308 is going to do some damage. And with a good bullet, if I wasn't using, you know, if I, if I was hunting something else other than whitetail or something bigger, I'd probably use a solid copper bullet to for maximum momentum you know, retention to the animal. Uh, I'm sorry, maximum mass retention. So momentum uh, transfer uh, to, to, to make sure it keeps going and penetrates because the name of the game to, to murdering efficiently is penetrating. So you can make sure to get that blood trail or break the shoulder and immobilize either way. Uh, make sure you get the animal recovery is key. This is South Texas. This is, we're not hunting in some kind of weird field where it's easy. All right. This is real life. So yeah, by the way, I did post on Instagram. I showed you a, a, a hole in that 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 AR five hundred steel plate. I, first of all, guys, I in in recounting the events, I that that hole was from the fifty yard shot. Like after replaying the events in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't check the plate between the fifty yard shot and the hundred yard shot. I just looked at it from distance, like oh, I got an impact because I had just spray painted it white. Turns out that was a hole. So yeah, XM eighty out of at like at 50 yards out of a 16 inch barrel is going to vibe check your half inch steel. <laughs> and I had, you know, I, had, I posted that to an Instagram story. I had so many people reach out to me. Oh my gosh, contact company XYZ. They can give you better quality steel plates. I was like, don't, don't tell me that guys. Like you're, you, you have a gross misunderstanding of terminal ballistics. Don't try to sell me steel targets. Like, first of all, the ballistic limit velocity for projectile and steel is so well understood that you, you can't possibly sell me something because I understand the physics of it. And, and we all do because it's, it's like a known phenomena. That's it's in fact, guys, it's so well studied. There are equations that you can use. Like I can, I could actually, I could write an article on this for you. I could give you the equations. You could put your bullet parameters into it with a velocity. And I can tell you exactly, exactly how much steel the type of steel and the thickness of steel you would need to stop different bullets. Like this is not like and to, to within like like and the calculation is it would be so so close that like you 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 would have the answer. Okay, like this is not like a uh, voodoo science. Like there's so much test data and so many empirical equations on ballistic limit velocity. For like for terminal ballistics of of small arm weapons that like I couldn't like it's it's not even um it's it's I know it sounds complicated and it is or it, at least the the work to to generate them were or was but the the actual like use of the equations dude come on man if you work at a firearm company and you don't know that like. <laughs> You're 
I, I can't believe I couldn't I wouldn't be able to believe it if you told if you don't if, if they're not teaching you like please at least tell me there's on the job training like come on guys like I know some of it like classified but most of it's not okay I, I'm pretty sure I talked talked your ear off about that experience I just want to tell you guys that's what I'm gonna use for hunting and it's a good rifle it, it's really light though it recoil it's gonna bruise your shoulder um yeah light scope light rifle even with a uh, Hyperion reducing recoil it's gonna it's gonna i i definitely had a bruised i had a bruised shoulder i, I looked at i was like took off my shirt i was like huh that's interesting a little bruise there i just no, i shot a lot i shot other stuff too it happens it's part of shooting okay topic two at a time of 56 minutes and 21 seconds Okay, topic two. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be not too long, probably. Um, another incremental cam lock update for you. That's right. So I, I I shot that again. I <laughs> the the mod uh, I used the mod nine the CGS mod nine the rugged obsidian nine. I was zoning in on some performance factors. I think I'm ready to give you guys some guidance on how to use this cam lock properly. Okay, and and my guidance is going to differ from the manufacturer's guidance. Okay, so just hear me out. Give us a drink of water one second. Okay, what are we about an hour in? Yeah, that's reasonable. Get this done. Okay. Um, okay, first, before I start, start talking about this cam lock and pistols, I want to give you a reality check. All right. First of all, no matter how curious you get, and I, w- I want you guys to promise me something. No matter how curious you get, be careful shooting without hearing protection to try stuff out. Um, especially if your, your ears are already messed up, just be careful. The suppression rating drops when the conditions are unfavorable around you. Okay. If you have a tree line close by or a house or other reflecting services, be aware of that. Okay. Be aware of your surroundings. It's going to rock your world cumulatively, 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 it's going to rock your world. It's going to add up. Um, I'm just saying, okay, it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen overnight. But eventually, you're going to get that ringing in your ears, okay? And it's never going to go away. It's permanent, okay? It's never going to go away Um, if you're not careful, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, uh, enough doom and gloom. I just wanted I, I wanted to tell you that, okay? It's important. So cam lock, okay? Here's the thing. You need to clean the mount and the piston. And I don't and you don't need to use lube on it. Okay? The tapers the taper cannot have lube on it. You don't want that. It's going to prevent the requisite friction force on the taper. It's not going to work right. Okay, it's it it's got to be that, dude. I, I did some trials. Um, I got the Obsidian 9 to stay on uh, after a while, like after shooting, taking it off, putting it back on. Like at first, it was loosening after a mag. It was, guys. And I, I had just lubed the piston with my favorite grease, like the TW25B, uh, that white stuff. Um, uh, in, the, in the military, they called it something that's... I'm, it's vulgar. I'm not going to say in the podcast, but you machine gunners might be familiar with it. Um, that that well, at least if your era, if 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 the 
if you're if you've been in the desert using it. Um, so I got some on the cam lock adapter on the barrel. I have a habit of wiping spare grease on my like that's on my fingers onto like exposed metal. I don't like I don't know maybe I'm a gun guy. It's what I do. Like you know what I mean. Like sure enough, I'm I was like oh idiot, idiot. I just put the grease on the freaking cam lock adapter. Oh. So I think that's why the science are loosened after a mag. So no strikes, but it loose. I had to tighten it. I was like, ah, that's stupid. That sucks. So I tried to clean it the best I could. So man, you know the Obsidian Nine, it retains heat like a mother, dude. Like that's crazy. Like more steel in it, and it, I think it's, it has a higher thermal thermal inertia. You understand that term? Thermal inertia it has a higher higher thermal mass, so it has a higher thermal inertia. So it takes longer. Um, Longer to heat up and cool down. Yeah. Okay. More mass. So um, it's interesting. Um, did some quick shooting with the FN, the FN, uh, that 509 compact tactical there, my uh, my new baby. Um, it was getting late, you know, and I just, I had just done mag dumps with the 11 and a half inch um, and the Helios Q, QDTI. That silencer, hey, you know that silencer just came out. Like for you guys can buy that now. Um, I've had mine for like a year, <laughs> um, but I had that Liberty De- Liberty's Defense cover on it. I, I wanted to know how that cover was going to behave in full auto, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot the crap out of the silencer right now. I did like, I don't know, like 200 rounds through it, like full auto back to back. Then I stopped and I st- started doing. Um, slow fire so like not 200 rounds full auto but like maybe 100 rounds full auto back to back mags and then i did um like slow fires shooting steel with it just for fun um and uh i actually you know just before i started doing this podcast tonight i i inspected the blast baffle it's fu- it looks fine um it's looking better than the surefire blast baffle right now dude the sure <laughs> The the SOCOM five five six RC two with the th- the three prong it, it jet cuts that thing dude it's like it has like three distinct erosion patterns on the on the um Inconel blast baffle of the Surefire that's well known I don't, you guys have seen that before so anyway I'll post some little borescope videos to Instagram story or something remind me about that anyway back to the pistol stuff um yeah so I like small pistol silencers on pistols um. Small pistol silencers on small pistols? I need to test it. I haven't tested it. Um, it's okay. Is it okay for limited use? Absolutely. Um, gonna carry one for the utility of it? Absolutely. You know, you can put the silencer in a pocket. You put in a fanny pack. Put in a holster attachment if you have like that T Rex arms tourniquet, whatever. I don't know whatever that is. Um, if if you want whatever. Um, I like mine in a pocket or a bag. Um. If I need to use my gun really fast, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna have time to deal with a silencer. Okay, that's just not. But if I if I'm gonna use the 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 gun on a ranch, like where I go to dispatch something pretty quickly or expediently, if I need to, I'm gonna use the silencer, and that's what it's for. Okay, and I've used I've used my pistol in a pinch for things like that before, not having a silencer, and that sucks, dude. You cannot shoot. Like, let's say you have to kill something really quick. I, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but I've done it. Let's say you have to kill, kill something really quick with a pistol, and you try to plug your other ear, but you can't plug the ear 
on the side where you're holding the gun, like you're gonna, you're gonna, you can try to like stuff something in your ear, but if you don't have hearing protection, you have to use that pistol. Even if it's outside, it's going to suck for you, dude. It's going to be loud. It's going to ring your ears. And so, so yeah, I've had to do that before. So I carry a, a silencer now for sure. Like I have hearing protection, and a little thing, and hopefully I'll have one of those two things. You know what I mean? So yeah, so that's my, my, that's one of the use cases for a, for carrying a, I know a lot of people are like, why would you carry a silencer? It's like, are you serious? Why would you carry a gun? Touche. You know what I mean? Okay, so cam lock. Sorry, I, I meant to talk about the cam lock. Now, the most important thing for you, besides not putting it on all the way, like when you install this thing, what I need you to do is place it on, you place the cam lock, you, you put the cam lock piston in the silencer, you put the assembly onto the adapter on your barrel, but don't put it all the way on. Put it on and then gently twist to see how far you had to put it on before to twist. And when you find that area, that's where to twist. If you shove that whole thing onto the camlock adapter all the way to the shoulder and try to twist it on, it's gonna it won't want to twist. It's gonna hang up and you're gonna pop, pop over the the threads, and it's gonna it's gonna damage the the piston threads, the interrupted threads, and it's not gonna it's not gonna break it. But it's that's not how you do it. You still work, but you you need to be careful about how you put it on. And then the second thing is don't get grease on the taper, don't get lube on the taper. Um, so that's important. You remember I I gave you that account of that gentleman who had that experience. He shot his CGS Mod Nine downrange with the cam lock. It like came unscrewed. And he shot it downrange. That guy followed up with me. He got a new adapter. From C, uh, um, from Griffin, and stuff, he ended up putting that stuff in an ultrasonic to clean it before using it with like no grease, and it locks up perfect, dude. Um, so or maybe that wasn't a new adapter, maybe that was an existing one. Regardless, we were talking about it. And it like definitely supports what I was doing when I was shooting, and I finally got it so hot that it like burned off all the lubricant. And then I was like, I was continuously cleaning it with my shirt, trying to get it. I was like, I, I, I didn't have like a alcohol wipes with me or anything. I was trying to clean off the lube, and that that's what you want. And the reason I'm talking about the lube so much is because on Arfcom and that thread I made the other day. Or a couple weeks ago, or whenever I did it, um, Austin, the guy who designed the mount, was like, yeah, you should probably put some lube on it. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't think so. I was like, I don't think you want to put lube on it. Because that's, you're going to reduce the coefficient of friction. Um, and the coefficient of friction is what's keeping it tight. The reason that works is the the normal force times the coefficient of friction is going to give you the friction force that's the friction equation and all of you who had science class remember that equation friction force equals mu so the greek greek letter mu times the normal force the normal force being the force normal to the interface surface where the two parts are uh, mating there so, uh, you know, you, that coefficient of friction, mu, is the friction force directly proportional to that. 
if you were to put grease on it, there, you, and you reduce that coefficient of friction by some factor, you will reduce the friction force directly proportional to the reduction in mu. So if you grease your taper, you are reducing the resistance to unscrewing directly proportional to the reduction in friction from the grease. So don't do that. Don't do that. That's not going to work at all. That's going to shoot your silencer down range. So those, those adapters, when they come from Griffin, they're dirty. Not dirty. They have probably have oil preservative on them from machining or they're not they're not clean so you might want to put them on ultrasonic or something is that going to make them rust i don't i don't know i don't care get them dirty if you don't want it to rust d d clean it with ultrasonic screw on the piston and go shoot it you'll be all right you'll be fine um and i think that's going to make it not pop off okay that's my suggestion right now okay and i i sort of I kind of put out the bounty on this, guys. I put out the call to have Camlock improved by people in the industry. I did it on social media, and to my knowledge, I got responses. Several parties are working on stuff right now to make some some solutions for this. So we're going to get better stuff, guys. It might not happen this like this second, but people are working on it. That means innovation's happening. Okay, how do we get better products? We highlight we highlight deficiencies of the products that exist. That's how we get better products. Okay. It's going to be awesome. But for now, Camlock is the best we have. Okay? Camlock is the best we have to prevent pistol silencers from unscrewing unless you want to use a tapered 13.5 by 1 left hand that that Q makes for the Erector 9 on the on the Erector on the on the on on a, on a barrel, but it's going to wear your barrel cuz it's not using an O-ring, they're using an aggressive taper and that 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 steel from that piston is going to be harder than the steel of the barrel and that's and i don't even and and i've had some issues with q's parts lately being really out of spec and i'm just not using q stuff on my personal guns right now uh, as far as pistols go now my fix that's a different story that's fine but um yeah i'm not i'm not using q pistol stuff right now it's not the silencers are okay, but some of their parts, their vendors are not doing their QAQC right. And I'm not dealing with that right now. That's a whole other story for another episode. Um, but yeah, so Camlock's basically the best we have to prevent silencers from loosening reliably if you use it right. But it's there's all these little caveats. Well, don't put it on this way and, and make sure it's not lewd. And it's like, okay, so we, we, we need a better solution. We need something more simple. I, I think we don't need to use interrupted threads. I think it just needs to be an adapter, simple, just like the, the end of a fix. Yeah. A simple little thread adapter. Take the take the Griffin adapter, the Camlock adapter, make the threads complete. Make them Acme threads. They can still be coarse. And then make the taper steeper. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that'd be better. I think it'd be awesome. Anyway, that's my suggestion. It's free consulting. I could do this myself. I just don't have the time. So, I mean, patent it and whatever. And then next thing you know, we got to mount. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Camlock's the best we have for now. It's staying my carry gun until we get something better. I like it. It protects my 
the barrel um, and it it works and I will use it and you know it, it doesn't unscrew when it's clean when it's when it doesn't have any lube on it so seems to work fine okay all right topic three topic oh man running long topic three at a time of one hour 11 minutes and 48 seconds oh yeah new sound signature review this week you betcha there is i'm excited why am i excited i'm excited because this review is going to be a good one i think it is this is going to this is going to put some stuff out into the world that you probably knew was coming you probably did and if you're a if you're a pew science reader and podcast listener you you probably understand already what you you're going to understand it already but i i think it's still going it's going to surprise a lot of people you know i actually reached out to the company who makes the silencer yesterday i did i or maybe sunday i might have sent him an email sunday i reached out to have a dialogue with them about it you know and i actually i i was able to speak with them today and um you know they did they didn't know i tested the silencer they didn't know they didn't know so i want you to remember that as i publish this this week okay they didn't know Okay, so I, I, I want you to understand that the company not only didn't know the test was happening, but they haven't seen the data either. Okay, so they are going to see it when you see it. Nobody in the world has seen this other than Pew Science. Okay, so when I publish this review, all of you will be the first people to see it in the world other than Pew Science. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this multiple times. I'm just anticipating criticism. <laughs> and I just want you to know <laughs> that this is independent data, okay? Independent data analysis. Now, I have no doubt that this will be talked about and referenced and studied and scrutinized and all kinds of things are going to be said. But at the end of the day, the data is going to be not only undeniable, but incredible okay we are zoning in on the essence of pew science the essence okay with every test more and more of the data set and methodology is validated it's consistent meaningful correct cutting edge pew science <laughs> it's a commercial no okay uh, uh no it is uh, stay tuned it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be really nice and you're gonna be a lot of people are gonna be very happy and a lot of people they're not gonna know what to do they might just i don't know i don't know what you're gonna i don't know what you're gonna do i, I if i was a consumer like a, just a science consumer right now i'd be like what in the actual all right topic four at a time of one hour 14 minutes and 49 seconds oh man off by one second for a perfect three-minute thing there <laughs> topic four thank you for listening thank you for joining at pewscience.com thank you for supporting the effort so enthusiastically uh thank you to gun shops consumers manufacturers firearm enthusiasts across the globe thank you your folks you know you're sharing the info the community's great i do appreciate it it's been so great some folks you know they've been asking me why i don't raise the membership fees um 
You know, I, I actually, it's funny you ask. You have been asking that. I, I might have to. I might have to. Um, but I don't want to. <laughs> I hate to do that. I, I want to keep it really, really economical to support for everybody. You know, uh, I was going to ask, uh, you know, if you folks had a form on the website with which you could enter a donation, would you make a one-time donation? Would you do that? Um, like no catch, like you wouldn't, like nothing received, like you wouldn't become a member of Pew Science. You would just donate. Would you, would that, would you, would you do that? Like, like, you know, like Wikipedia, you can donate to Wikipedia to keep it going. Would you do that? Like donate to Pew Science, donate to the science or sound standard. Like if I get, maybe I might do a poll or something, but feel free to reach out to me, give me feedback about that. If I get some feedback about that, I will totally implement something. Like you won't, it's not that hard to code up for me. I can, I can code that like. Like easy peasy lemon squeezy. I just haven't done it because I don't want to. I hate to ask you for money, but I do need funding for the research. So, um, or maybe maybe I'll just wait until I launch the Pew Science store and it'll be in that. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Okay, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, guys. Like your honest thoughts. Anyway, so regardless, regardless of our method of fundraising for the effort, I do appreciate your support. Um, it comes from foreign entities, from domestic entities, uh, commercial, consumer, law enforcement, military. It's you know it truly is. A, it's a varied mix of folks from different walks of life, in different roles. So that's cool. Okay, you know you guys are great. It isn't. It is. It is. It means a lot. It does. And I know I say this a lot, but I really want you to know I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you helping. Um, the community that you're building is great. That we are building is great. You you know keep spreading the word. Help people learn by letting them know about Pew Science, okay? Together, we are changing the industry. It's one test at a time. I'm serious. It, and every time we test and release data and analysis, it changes the industry by incrementally. Okay, so stay tuned this week for some data, all right? You're going you're gonna to find it very interesting, I promise. And dare I say, if you are following this stuff, you may not find it surprising, Okay. You may not. I don't know. What could it be? (laughs) I'll talk to you folks again soon.